0: So welcome everyone today to um, today's special episode where I hope you recognize my voice. Um, I'm usually the interviewer, the host of the podcast. My name is Danny Marks. Um, So today it's just me here. Um, Me here, I will recap a little bit on some things we've learned maybe the last 10 episodes. Um, Some stories that came about and some people. That I've met along the way here, that we've introduced to you, the audience, um, and I just thought that it's a great opportunity, a great time to uh, discuss some of these and explain maybe what we're doing, why we're doing, and why it's so um, important to me to uh, to really. Try and learn from these guests, from these individuals that we bring into the studio um, that I want to learn from from a selfish point of view. um, But I also want that information to be shared um, really with the world, with therapists all around the world, uh, therapists who are helping people helping people recover from uh, pain, helping people recover from uh, any issues, you know, ranging from a little muscle strain to headaches, to jaw pain, to uh, foot pain, um, or even to just feeling tired and sluggish. Um, Everyone, everyone who's listening to this podcast, including me, feels pain. Uh, Pain is, uh, you know, one of those things in life that we have no way of escaping. Uh, maybe we can obviously escape them um, temporarily uh, using uh, drugs, using uh you know uh, moments of happiness um, different uh, different uh, times in life that help us maybe maybe it doesn't el- those times um, don't eliminate pain, but they just help us get. Uh, distracted or they distract us from the pain. So that relieves it. But in terms of long-term pain, consistent pain, um, everyone experiences pain. You know, if you work and you sit down all day, then something in your hip hurts, something in your lower back hurts, um, if you're on your phone all day, like most of us, sometimes your neck must hurt as well. Um, and if you are a, even if you're someone who takes care of yourself, um, you know, I like to think of myself as someone who at least uh, is conscious to and tries to take care of themselves um, not well enough. And I'll explain further. And that's why I'm on this journey of discovery and on this journey of interviewing people with more experience than than I have, because I want to learn from them. But I want to, you know, I see myself as someone who does take care of themselves. So even, you know, even me, I'm, uh, I, I focus on nutrition. I focus on stretching, on strengthening, on working out, on on doing the things that I hear, or at least am told that should help me. Um, but having said that, I still experience pain. Um, I experience pain um, from things that surprise me. I experience pain from strains from working out, maybe pushing too hard or maybe not pushing too hard, but not being ready, not being in the mental state, maybe to go on a, on a long run or maybe not being in the, you know, maybe, maybe my body was not rested enough overnight. So we'll talk about all these things. Um, but I just wanted to introduce you to that episode, to the episodes, um, maybe uh, uh topic of the day uh, which is really um a recap and an introduction to me, the host um the interviewer and one of the th- first things um I think the first thing that we were introduced to on this podcast was uh talking to Paul Townley. Who is on the NAT uh, staff of teachers, of presenters? And Paul's an interesting one for me personally because Paul has worked in the back scenes of football, of soccer, for those um, in the US or a couple other countries in the world. Uh, But why football is so interesting to me and seeing what happens behind the scenes is because I played football uh, my entire life. And when I say I played football, I played with the intention of becoming a TV superstar. Um, I am here with you guys today, and you did not see me play on TV. Um, So that did not come to fruition. But even till today i 'm so interested what happens behind the scenes of soccer because I was exposed to bits of the behind the scenes of soccer of football uh, from pursuing this dream or really trying to take football as far as I can as close as possible to achieving my dreams and along the way you know going on uh, trials tryouts um, training with different players um, you know getting signed in different teams, getting rejected from different teams, getting cut, starting games, being on the bench, getting injured. You see a lot of things being introduced to coaches, managers, equipment guys, physiotherapists, athletic trainers, surgeons, surgeries, all these different things that really happen behind the scenes in the world of sports. And this, in this case, with Paul Townley, we spoke about uh, football. So talking about football, football you know paul worked at crystal palace um which is again it's not manchester united it's not real madrid but it's crystal palace it's a um you know it's a if we're looking at um uh you know it's it's a premier league team um i think most of the time when paul worked there they were actually a championship team um, but even so he worked with some uh, big time players um he worked at a at a top level club and he was sharing stories that were pretty astonishing um even when it came to how he was treated as an employee of the club um or his responsibilities or some stories from the training training grounds that he could share with us it was really really interesting to me um, and sometimes also very funny. I think that was the episode, uh, episode number one. But I think that was the episode where I, uh, I think I laughed the most. Um, maybe it's just seeing um, Paul's uh, reactions to when he's telling these stories. He obviously loves telling the st- telling the stories. Uh, but there is a lot to learn from there. And I think, um, I think uh, when it comes to uh, therapists, therapists working in the world of sports, I think that it can be very, um, from the outside, it can look very glamorous. Um, it can look very sexy very attractive to want to be in that in that place be the guy or or be the woman to run on the field when a player gets injured Um, but there's a lot of um, shit that goes with it there's a lot of um, um, you know uh, pain that goes with it there's a lot of uh, disrespect that goes with it Um, I think um, when it comes to football people care about the coach People care about the players and it's even more specific than that. People care about the coach that wins games and people care about the players who perform well consistently on the field. As soon as a coach starts losing games, as soon as players stop performing well consistently, they lose the respect, they lose the... um, unconditional support and love um, that, or they just lose the support and love because maybe that's the point that the love and the glamour that's around sports is not unconditional it's very conditional it's very conditional to being able to perform always so, you know even if you're a, a coach and you've won every single game the last two years if you go on a five game losing streak everyone will be calling to get you out of your position. Um, If you're a player, you know, you could be scoring goals every season, game in, game out, but you started a season poorly, poorly meaning not scoring goals. Very quickly, you will see that all the love and support and glamour will slowly start disappearing. So on a personal level, um, I think that was very interesting. I nowadays am more interested in the back scenes of football, um, maybe because I have some insight and I am aware to how disgusting it is. Um, so sitting with someone like Paul who has worked in the industry of football um, I think is uh, was a very interesting one for me personally and also I think very interesting for therapists uh, to hear those stories from all around the world. Um, and then I learned about something uh, speaking to... Um, a fantastic young energetic confident physiotherapist uh, from germany uh, sonia forrester um she was really awesome to speak to um speaking to her in the beginning maybe um i don't know if i was nervous speaking about such a um a foreign topic to me um but or maybe it was her nervous being on a podcast and speaking in a unedited format the way we do things so We were speaking about women's health and specifically when it came to women's health, the pelvic floor. Um, I am ashamed almost to say that uh, I lived most of my life not knowing what the pelvic floor uh, was, is. Um, Akhil, do you know what the uh, pelvic floor is? So I had no idea for a very long time um, and only since speaking to Sonia is where I really started digging in and understanding the important... um the important role that the pelvic floor plays in the body and not just for women. In that episode specifically, we were focusing on women, uh, but with uh, with men and women alike. It's such an important part of our bodies that is so neglected, maybe neglected from the sense where it's just not spoken about enough. It's not um, addressed enough and maybe not given the respect it deserves for many reasons, you know, obviously there's the connotation of where it's positioned and its connection to sexuality. Um, But looking at it from the perspective of also it's hidden. It's not something you see. So, you know, working on the health of your pelvic floors is not the same as working on your biceps, because when you work on your biceps, you want to be strong. You want to, you want to get that aesthetic um, element from it as well. But the pelvic floor is you know, it's like, um, it's a piece of the engine that that helps you run your body in the most efficient way possible. And it's, a, it's an element of that whole cycle of coordination of your body, breathing, and being able to live pain-free, being able to live in a smooth way where you can perform all these activities of life, um, whether it's, actually being able to breathe properly, whether it's being able to have painless sexual intercourse. Um, it's just this, this, um, this part of the body requires more attention and personally going forward, I am going to, uh, pay way more attention to it, spread the word. And I have, you know, that podcast has, um, Uh, We've received great feedback from it. We've received um, thank you notes from mainly women who also did not know much about the pelvic floor. And even if someone did know about the pelvic floor, we shared so many, or Sonia shared so many insights to how we can ensure that our pelvic floor is healthy. How can we prevent, take preventative um, measures from damaging? the pelvic floor. So it was a huge, hugely important one for me personally, um, to learn and to start this, um, journey of education when it comes to the pelvic floor. Um, and I will make sure I equip myself with that knowledge, but so should every therapist out there because, um, a lot of issues can stem from the pelvic floor and it's very difficult to, to identify that that root or that issue that is maybe stemming from the pelvic floor without having knowledge of the pelvic floor. So I challenge everyone out there. Um, even if you're a male therapist, um, to investigate, learn, ask questions, look at videos, um, equip yourself with a tool of understanding the power of the pelvic floor and also the, also the vulnerability Of the pelvic floor um, and see how you can use that to your benefit to help yourself, but also help your patients, help your clients recover, um, maintain themselves, be strong, be healthy. Feet, an interesting one, which we've tackled um, twice already um, from two different, you know, very different angles. I think Um, the first one was the idea of walking barefoot. Um, So I was introduced to this mainly because I had foot pains. Um, I always, maybe because I was playing football, um, maybe it's because of the shoes I was wearing. I have no idea, but I do know that I have experienced plantar fasciitis and who, who, Ever has experienced it knows that it can be super, super painful and gruesome as soon as especially when you're not expecting it, when you're walking or jogging and it suddenly attacks you, it's really, really uncomfortable. So I never really understood it. I kind of took it for granted that that I just needed back then when I was experiencing the plantar fasciitis pain, that I just had to rest and let it recover. Never once did I think that maybe my foot is weak. Maybe my foot is unequipped to carry the strain of what I'm putting it through, um, of just keeping my body up and keeping my body straight and working out and running and doing all these repetitive movements that all of us do every day, day in, day out. Um, so never once did I think about my feet that day. Um, and then I was introduced to a um, man by the name of Sean Haber, which we've had on the, which we hosted on the podcast. And Sean um, really is the one that wouldn't shut up to me when I met him off air. Uh, when I met him off air about the idea of walking barefoot, um, I saw him, I was waiting for him in a cafe, and I saw him uh, walk up towards me uh, with Hercules type sandals, uh, strange little things. And I obviously asked him about them. And then. For at least two hours, he was talking to me about uh, barefoot shoes, what it is, what's the point, what is the message behind the barefoot movement um, and why people are doing it. And when you, um, at least me now, when I think about it deeply and um, when I try and understand that message. It makes complete sense to me. Um, I was, am still love, I love shoes. Um, I love the, the aesthetic part of it. I love the, the fashion that goes with it. As you know, also football players, soccer players, the shoes, the cleats, the boots are super important to the player. Uh, super important to your confidence, just like us with the clothes we wear. Um, the problem though, that I discovered with our traditional footwear is, not all companies, not all brands, not all, not all types of shoes, but I think the majority or at least um, if you stop a random person on the street and check their shoes, most likely that person should be wearing shoes that are a bit more suitable um suitable for from three different angles um and this is what i learned from Sean and this is what you guys if you have listened to the podcast episode with Sean maybe have learned as well um is the is the concept of wearing a shoe that is protective to your foot and the skin around your foot but not restrictive now if we look at three different things number one is the toe box for most people there is for for most shoes that people wear there is not enough room for your five toes to spread from side to side why because the toe box is narrowed if you look at shoes it starts out wide and when it reaches the toe box it narrows in why From my understanding and research online and listening to the Barefoot community, they argue that it's a fashion thing, Um, which makes sense because on my journey of understanding and learning about the Barefoot community, I bought a pair of Barefoot shoes, uh, the Vivo Barefoot shoes, which look very weird when you wear them. Why do they look weird? Because the toe box is built to provide you with enough space for all your toes to spread out. And when you have a shoe that is has a wide toe box, then it looks a bit like a duck uh, walking around because you, your feet seem very wide suddenly so it's a strange one to look at so I understand the fashion uh, piece of it but I don't understand why we're all willing to endure it because when you have your feet and your toes so squeezed um, for a very long time. They lose capabilities. They lose strength. We change the, uh, the structure of the foot and we're causing damage. Um, and again, that damage might not surface for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years of wearing traditional shoes, but the damage will probably surface eventually. If you are experiencing any foot pain so just think about it. Um, that's number one, the toe box. Number two is the flexibility of the shoe. So most traditional shoes are not flexible. So when the shoe is not flexible, and when I say flexible, I mean, if you, want, if you, want, if you hold your shoe in your hand, you want to be able to bend it super easily Um, just like folding a piece of paper folding your shoe if your shoe doesn't fold that means your shoe is not flexible and if it's not flexible it's restrictive it's restrictive of your foot making the the correct movements that it's built to make and help you walk help you move um, in a healthy normal normal developed biomechanical way Um, and if and if it doesn't, if it's not flexible, then you are, you are restricting yourself from allowing your foot to make those movements. And if it doesn't make those movements on a daily basis for a very long time, you will lose those abilities. And then when you try and perform certain abilities um, that require strength all the way from the ground up from the feet, and then you will, you not, not, not necessarily, but you might damage yourself. So just also just another point to think about. Number three is what they call in the barefoot community, the zero drop. The zero drop is really we the, the idea of avoiding a drop between your heel and your big toe. You want that line to be straight between the heel and the big toe. And in, again, in a lot of traditional shoes, that drop is pretty drastic. Um, and that just causes you again, without even thinking about it, without even, you know, um, without even noticing it to walk in a different way. And you're really changing the way you biomechanically work simply by the footwear that you choose. So it's a, um, um, it's a for me at least an interesting one to think about. Speaking to Sean, obviously him with his energy and enthusiasm behind this, um, it's tough. Um, it's tough to keep up sometimes, but also tough not to listen. Um, so that was a really interesting one. So I encourage everyone just to think about the shoes they wear. Um, I encourage everyone just to um, think about the shoes that their patients and clients wear. So when someone has some foot pain, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have to go through certain therapies and long-term rehab and resting and all these different things. It could just be that they need to do some barefoot walking because the best way, again, according to the barefoot community, to regain that movement and flexibility and strength and range of motion in your feet is to simply walk barefoot so these barefoot shoes are designed to be a to be able to walk outdoor and live normal life and do all the things you're supposed to do while protecting your feet um, so for people that maybe are not wearing barefoot shoes and are just wearing traditional shoes like i am right now um just think about walking barefoot at home in the park In the at the beach as much as possible, as much as you can, because they say that is the best medicine. Um, So for therapists out there, just maybe something to investigate, learn about. Um, Not no no um, no reason to. To exclude it from the conversation, Um, even though it might seem uh, crazy cuckoo to some, um, it's really interesting to just think about, learn about um, and see if there's room for any implementation or anything new to learn when it comes to strengthening the feet, when it comes to stretching the feet, when it comes to range of motion exercises on the feet. Um, these are things that are not attractive, not fun to do, very boring. You don't really see results. You won't get a six pack from having the the strongest toes in the world. Um, but you might get even, um, more beneficial, um, transformations by actually paying attention to your feet, which are there to, um, which are there to do a lot of things that we don't even think about and having them restricted all day in these weird shaped uh shoes and i say weird because they are weird when we really stop and think about it um and they um yeah so it can do it could do you wonders but just get out there and investigate i started doing practicing yoga uh, five to six months ago it's something that I kind of always knew that I should be doing that I wanted to do was kind of jealous of um, individuals that were practicing on a regular basis and that were good at it so speaking to Anthony Berlin Jerry um, who we also uh, filmed the yoga course with which uh, we're very proud of very excited about um, and the course was all about how yoga can really, um, you can use yoga to your benefit and really use it to regulate your autonomic nervous system. Um, again, it's not something we stop and think about, but performing certain poses, certain sequences of poses, um, these things are designed over in the Western world, in the with the Western sequences and poses over decades and decades. But... But the 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 core of it has been designed over thousands of thousands of years. So again, maybe there's something that's worth stopping thinking about, and maybe there's bits of it that we can implement. Uh, we don't have to implement um, every chakra and every pose and every om, um, but we can maybe implement bits and pieces—a small pose, a a breathing technique—into our rehab programs, into our strength programs, into our day-to-day. Um, recovery programs, you know, mental health programs. These things are, you know, some will say there's science behind them. Some will say there's no science. It's really not the point. The point is to try, learn, experiment. Uh, You know, how can you guide a patient in a certain direction if you really don't know anything about yoga or don't know what it could do Um, so again just a suggestion to try it out I so I was always intrigued by yoga always thought that it was something that I should be doing but I I avoided it because I wanted I didn't really want to dive into the yogi mindset the yogi the you know the the stereotypical yogi of you know performing hums and and singing and moving in certain ways and everything's good everything's great we love each other and that's again that's very it's not it's not what i think but a part it's what a part of me thought um and i think a part of me thought it because i think that a lot of pra- yoga practitioners like playing the part of yogis um which i think does annoy many people. Um, So that's why yogis do have this stereotype. Um, But that's not the point here. And that's not what yoga is about. Yoga is an, really, it is an individual journey. Um, And so I'll tell you what yoga has been so far for me. Um, I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know when I'll quit, when I'll stop. Uh, Hopefully I don't. But for me, yoga has been a journey, a journey of um, thinking that I was strong thinking that I had the, uh, mental fortitude to follow through and push through certain activities because of my, uh, history with athletics and running and strength and all those things, being in the gym, working the hardest, but then yoga comes in and it's not about pushing through. Um, it's not only about, you know, being the hardest in the room and the hardest worker in the room. But it's actually about looking at yourself and asking yourself if you're performing this exercise in the best way possible at that time when only you're judging yourself. So it doesn't matter how the person next to you is performing the warrior two pose. It doesn't matter what the teacher actually thinks. But based on what you know at that moment, are you performing it in the best way possible? Usually the answer is no for most people. And if you say yes, then um, you are either lying to yourself or maybe that's something that I just haven't discovered yet. But That's what I try and push. Every every pose I do, I, I try and ask myself, am I doing this the best way possible and trying to ignore what's going on around me? Um, and sometimes it's very difficult. It's very difficult, especially most of the time I practice yoga um, in the city and there are dogs fighting and cats meowing and I can smell the fresh bakeries in the morning um, with the new deliveries of all the of uh, croissants and bread. And it, it's very hard not to get distracted. So performing a, um, an activity, With all these distractions around you, especially when you're not as good maybe as everyone else in the studio, in the class, um, it's very hard to focus. So for me, yoga has so far has been a uh, personal journey, um, a journey that I see major improvements at. um, And the improvements usually are visible to you in poses. So on a daily basis, I really don't feel like I'm getting better Um, and it's sometimes very frustrating, but sometimes on a, on a random Wednesday afternoon or or random Tuesday morning class, something makes sense. Um, It could suddenly come to you in the shower. It could suddenly come to you in the middle of a class, but some things sometimes just add up and make sense and I'm talking about now my body how to perform a a pose how I can utilize my body to help me get what I'm trying to get at that moment so yoga for me has been a discovery of my body my strength my my ability to use my body and learn about my body and see how much and this is the, i think the point how much potential our bodies have that we're not utilizing um similar to uh, and i haven't touched on breathing yet but i a couple times i think during this podcast uh, not this episode but previous episodes i've said that um we i've heard a quote that has stuck with me that we breathe to survive we don't breathe to thrive because we're busy we don't have the time to stop and thinking about it and every breath that we take to expand our lungs and breathe properly if we did that with every single breath who knows what the consequent, the positive consequences of that are who knows um but same with our bodies, uh, you know, we, we treat our bodies in ways and we utilize our bodies to achieve what we think we want to achieve that day. Um, but we have no idea what we're capable of achieving with our body. So I think yoga is just a, a, an opening, a door that we can open and actually teach ourselves about our bodies. That's it. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. You want to learn about your body. Um, and can yoga help with joint health? Absolutely. Can yoga help with mental health? Absolutely. Can yoga help with flexibility? Absolutely. Can it help with strength? Absolutely. Um so can and can you do yoga if you're the weakest person in the world? Absolutely. Can you do yoga if you're a 5-year-old? Absolutely. Can you do yoga if you're 93? Absolutely. Um it's accessible. It can help. It can teach you about you. It's challenging. So yeah, let's let's learn about it. Um, and it, can you do yoga without ums and without shavasanas and without singing bowls and all those things around that yogi stereotype? Absolutely. So I'll keep you up to date with my um, yoga journey. At the moment, I'm practicing at least three times a week, um, sometimes four times a week if I'm a good boy that week. But um, it's. I do feel improvements, um, so I'll share those milestones with you. Usually, my mum is the first to uh, get notified by a uh, a pose milestone. If I've achieved something that I never thought I could achieve, um, and suddenly I'm able to get it because it just clicked and made sense, then immediately my mom will get a video uh, on WhatsApp, um, which probably annoys her. But in any case, the, um, yoga is worth exploring. I'll keep you up to date. And, um, the next thing I want to talk about is actually, I'll still stay, um, you know, I'll, I'll move on from yoga, but I'll, I want to talk about, um, cupping a little bit. Um, cause I was cupping was brought to my attention, I think with like most of, at least in my demographic, um, cupping was brought to our attention at the Olympics, when you see all these athletes, Obviously, Michael Phelps with these round, circular bruises on on their shoulders, on their backs. Um, so it was something very intriguing. And it started off, at least again, in my demographic with athletes, something that seemed very cool. Um, very similar maybe to kinesio taping, when you suddenly see athletes being taped in certain areas of the knee the shoulder the hamstring it's something cool because um, it's almost like a um, a, a sign of uh, you being a professional you being a top level athlete um, so I tried cupping a couple times um, and I was skeptical myself uh, skeptical really for the reason, uh, the only reason of me not knowing anything about it. um, And me thinking at least that I could uh, control my body, not get hurt. And if I did get hurt, just heal it um, in ways that at least then I thought were the most effective. Um, But in recent years and rediscovering cupping and being exposed to good quality educational content on cupping and experiencing firsthand and secondhand um, success stories when it came to cupping, um, you really learn that it's a practice that again has been, it's not something new. It's something that has resurfaced in different forms and with maybe the use of different technologies and different techniques. But the cupping is an old Method, an old modality that was used not just for muscle aches, it was used for pneumonia, it was used for headaches, it was used for many different things um, in many different parts of the world. Um, so, again, if it's something so ancient and it's something that's still around today in different forms, probably worth investigating, probably worth, again, just seeing what the hype is about. Can this be a tool to help a problem that I cannot find a solution for? Can be, Can this be a tool that's maybe more effective, more efficient than other tools that I use? You know, don't assume that you've figured out everything. Maybe there's techniques to learn, modalities to learn, different areas, different tools you can equip yourself with to become better, at what you do. Um, So I highly, highly, highly recommend um, really understanding the power of cupping, not just looking at uh, cupping as some trend that came about because of Michael Phelps, but to really look into it as an effective tool for many, 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 many conditions can be used in many ways. Um, So I really encourage everyone and my conversation with Dr. Joy Edwards a uh, a physical therapist from the United States from North Carolina uh, did a great job on the podcast explaining what cupping is, how she got into cupping and why she, why she sticks with cups. And she, she, she spends her life teaching about cups because it's something that she, she is passionate about. Um, and she sees results day in, day out. She sees results on patients that she treats, and she sees results on patients of therapists that she has taught. Um, So I highly recommend listening to the episode. I highly recommend also checking her online content on our website on neilasher.com to really dig deep and understand what it can do. Ethics in the massage world. Um, also, you know, something that very easy to brush aside, very easy to not really think about, um, not think about if you, it's very easy to not think about, uh, horrible things when you're not a victim to horrible things. And on our episode with Priscilla Fleming, who is a licensed massage therapist um, in the United States. We got to hear some of the, uh, you know, I was talking about the back scenes of football and I'm not making any comparisons here, but looking at uh, the back scenes of massage therapy, you know, now I'll challenge you um, to think about being in a dark room with maybe some music playing to set a relaxing mute mood um the lighting is set to create a relaxing mood as well and you might be one on one with a client with a patient uh who's a man who's a woman who's bigger who's smaller who's from certain place in the world that you're not from it really doesn't matter but you're in a position of uh, potential risk potential vulnerability This doesn't mean obviously that every encounter is dangerous uh, because we know that most of them aren't. Uh, That's why this is something that is easy to push aside and potentially neglect. But let's look at the cases that do happen and Priscilla gave us an insight to her personal experiences um, but also to stories um, that she is delivering for other people. Um, Her goal is to help equip people. Again, we're talking about, um, you know, equipping yourself with tools to become better. Um, so she is equipping you with tools to protect yourself. Um, if there is a tool that could minimize your risk of being in a vulnerable position, why not use it? For example, there are many tools out there to help you screen clients without risking losing business, like screening clients in a way where you could notice red flags in a client's um, application to see you or, you know, you do not want to face a tricky situation with a client when you're in that position, when you're in that one-on-one environment in a dark room. You want to face um, those tricky situations when the client hasn't even showed up yet. So she talks about different things like screening clients, like knowing when to refuse service for a client, like knowing when to set boundaries, like knowing when to use the correct language when not to speak to clients, times of day, different um, formats of messaging. All these different things she is talking about is are all things that are very simple to implement. Um, and again, it doesn't mean you have to implement all of them. But if you can implement one of them, for example, changing your whether it's your work hours or changing a word that you use in your advertisement of your practice. Um, so if you can do any of these things and help yourself minimize the risks of putting you or your maybe one of your colleagues or employees in danger, um, for me, it's a no-brainer. No, it's a no-brainer to at least investigate to see what are these tools. Um, and if they're not for you, maybe it'll lead you Um, down a thinking path of what might be the right tools for you to to implement with yourself, with your colleagues, with your practice to hopefully minimize uh, the risk of any of these horrible stories occurring. If anyone here has listened to um, the interview with... um, with Nili Block, who I met in Florida a few years ago, uh, when she was a fresh, the fresh world champion in, uh, Muay Thai in the world. Um, Muay Thai is a gruesome. She, I think she a bit uh, on the podcast, she underplayed how, um, horrible of a sport it is. Um, and all you have to do is uh, search on YouTube for Muay Thai, uh, competitions and you'll see a lot of blood a lot of injuries a lot of knockouts um it's a um, it's a tough sport and nearly is a a, a lovely quiet um not a Woman And not someone who you'd expect that jumps in the in the ring and uh, makes other people bleed. Um, So she's multiple times three or four times champion of the world in Muay Thai um, champion of Europe a couple times in Muay Thai and kickboxing. Um, she's a, a remarkable story really um, a story of someone just like we like watching documentaries and seeing the movies of someone who is obsessed with what she does and she was really able to uh, demonstrate that on the podcasts. Um, now that she's kind of mastered the world of kickboxing and Muay Thai uh, which is again how many people do you know that have mastered their profession how many world champions do you know so here we got to uh, speak to a world champion, a European champion and someone who has very, if not mastered very close to mastering her profession so much. So that she has, decided to branch into MMA. Um, again, now MMA is um, is becoming a lot more trendy because of the rise of the UFC the last uh, decade or so. Uh, but that's her goal. She wants to be in the UFC. She wants to compete. Um, and we sat with her here. Um, and you know, when you um, she shared with us how she's obsessed, she's on this journey of excellence, of world championship chasing. Um, and she went through a crazy unexpected injury. Um, she suffered a stroke during a training literally a week before she was on the podcast. Um, so she spoke about it. She was open about it, um, because it was so fresh. She didn't even know that much about what was going through. Um, so I know currently she's on a break from uh, full contact, um, Practicing or training, but um, yeah, follow her on social media. She's pretty inspiring. She is not slowing down, even though she can't compete and she can't uh, perform full, full contact sessions. She's still doing whatever she can do to equip herself and better herself at this moment. Um, so she was a fantastic guest. Uh, hopefully we'll have her on, um, and we can meet her on the other side of this, uh, recovery. Um, and again, also for the therapists out there, just to, uh, to be you know aware of what's possible out there. So even if it's a, a freak accident, a freak, um, um, you know, maybe she, she was unlucky, <laughs> to experience what she experienced. Um, but just know that these things are possible and what is the best way to react, how to react, what is she doing with her rehab protocols? These are all things that we hope to, will find out from her. Um, but really, really, really interesting speaking to her. And also just another piece of, uh, you know, it's evidence that uh, when you, sp- when you meet someone and um, our assumptions take, take that one way, uh, but the truth is that we don't know, um, anything about the people, um, behind that curtain that they're presenting to us, uh, behind that cover that they're showing us, um, what, what is going on there. Um, so that was a really, really interesting one. Um, as of recently, you know, we, we did speak about feet again, uh, feet and ankles. Uh, we spoke with Stephen Thomas, who is, is a podiatrist, um, Again, we went over things like nail fungi and I I spoke to him a bit about the barefoot uh, concept, um, which, um, there were bits of it that he agreed with bits of it that he maybe disagreed or was skeptical about, but overall very interesting podcast, a very interesting one to really learn how to maintain healthy feet. Um, again, he thinks that people don't pay attention to their feet enough because they're hidden, they're covered, um. But underneath that surface of a boot that you wear or a sock that you wear, for a lot of people, and we know we you we know you have seen some ugly feet. And if it's not on yourself, then it's someone that you know very well. Um, multiple people that you know very well. A lot of ugly feet and un- unhealthy feet out there. Um, so yeah, pay attention. Uh, he claims that um, if your girlfriend tells you to go um, do a pedicure, then you should go and. Um, uh, get a pedicure because you do want to maintain your feet there are certain measure that he that he measures that he mentions that we should take um, for example um, if you did have athlete's foot or some fungus on your foot then not only treat your feet but treat your shoes because if you treat your feet and then go back to those fungi infected shoes, Again, you're not being very uh, very smart about it because it'll probably come back to you. We, we spoke about uh, types of socks that you should be wearing. We spoke about blisters and how to uh, avoid blisters and how to treat blisters. So... Again, it's a, It's even though it's covered, even though we don't see people's feet all the time, um, you know your feet, you know what they look like, you know what they feel like, you know what they smell like. Um, and there's ways to maintain healthy feet. And it's a part of your body that probably needs more care than you can imagine. And you want to care for it before it's too late. Because just like you've seen ugly feet out there, you have definitely seen feet out there Um, that belong to older people that even you even if you're not a doctor and you can't put a verdict on it you know that they are unsavable so let's try and avoid being in that position i also learned from uh, i did not know that podiatrists were feet and ankles Um, so the main part of our focus of that Episode was on feet, um, but we hope to explore ankles more in the future. Um, another one that I want to talk about is our podcast with Margaret Sinclair. Margaret's a very interesting one because Margaret is a trained osteopath, is a trained mass sports massage therapist, uh, but she doesn't practice anymore because of arthritis. She suffers from arthritis in her fingers and she just doesn't have the ability uh, to keep up with it of the body demand that's required to be an osteopath and massage therapist. So in recent years, Margaret has picked up her knowledge on an expertise on herbal remedies, herbal medicines. Um, And she really spends time learning about this and understanding at least for what conditions she can use certain herbs to really help people become healthier, improve people better. Um, And she also claims that in in a lot of these cases, these medicines, these herbs, these herbs are just sitting in your cabinet, in your kitchen cupboard. Um, So she just pushes people to use um, these different herbs out there and they can really um, do wonders for you. You know, she says, just throw the herbs in there. Um, She, uh, something that stuck with me there is not how healthy garlic is for you and how it can serve as an antibacterial medicine. Um, But that actually, if you cook garlic and it goes through that heating process, you actually lose the health benefits from it. So, um, you know, I, uh, I apologize to my girlfriend saying that I'm gonna probably have bad breath for forever. Uh, but, uh, fresh garlic, um, it is moving forward. Lastly on the, uh, the recap here of the episodes, um, is talking about menopause. Um, so menopause I got to learn fr- about from philippa butler philippa who uh, is a char- chartered physiotherapist and certified yoga instructor and so many more things she really just doesn't stop uh, educating herself bettering herself learning more um, and she spends a lot of her time because and she was open about it because of the symptoms that she has gone through and is going through uh, through her menopause years has really led her down a um, road of investigation and education about menopause. And so she really works hard to put all the pieces together to help women who are going through menopause. Um, I haven't gone through menopause. I don't know anything about it. I don't have any experience with it. No one in my life has that I know of, but she has. And she says that 25% of women um, experience severe symptoms. Um, so, as a therapist, you know, a woman walks in with issues Then maybe it shouldn't be treated as the same issue as a male who is having that issue, or maybe it shouldn't be treated as the same as another woman having that issue who is older or younger than the age of menopause. But if you have a client or a patient that is is within that age age range of potentially experiencing menopause, symptoms, then worth taking into account and learning about those symptoms and seeing how menopause can really affect the body in so many different ways. As she mentioned that she's experiencing and has been and still is experiencing um, insomnia. Um, And we all know that, you know, one of the most, if not the most important health remedy is sleep, then how can someone be expected not to get hurt? How can someone be expected to be healthy when they are not sleeping? So just something to really uh, take into account. But really, um, that's that kind of ends the recap on that. But I just want to also emphasize on what the mission is here, what we're trying to do. Um, the Treatment Room Secret podcast is really here to educate. Um, you know, I'm doing it in a, in a curious way where I'm, uh, also a selfish way where I'm trying to educate myself and learn about these different things, but there is so much to learn. Uh, so we're going to keep bringing people from, uh, you know, from all around the world, Um, from all around the uh, spectrum of body workers, therapists, healthcare professionals, fitness professionals, personal trainers, um, athletes, really everyone, anyone who can share a piece of information that can better equip myself, can better equip you, can better equip therapists all around the world to help themselves and help their clients and patients, um, maybe reduce pain, experience less pain, deal with pain in a better way, a healthier way, a more efficient way, then we want to share that information. Um, And also anything we do, any piece of content we do. So Treatment Room Secrets um, is brought to you by Neil Asher Education. Anything that's produced by Neil Asher Education is there to promote really any form of modality, technique, a way of approaching things, any method that can help people. Um, That's where always, that's all we are trying to do always is promote ways to help individuals. Um, As I started with in the beginning, pain, we all experience pain. Um, So let's find the best ways uh, to manage pain. And the best ways are not the easiest ways. Um, so I am a, this is me personally, a big advocate, um, against chucking a pill down your throat quickly, not without an investigation. So don't look for the shortcuts. Don't look for the quickest ways out. Um, investigate, ask stupid questions, stupid questions, stupid questions. I am experiencing health problems right now. I have seen a couple doctors. I'm getting mixed, mixed opinions. I'm getting um, contradicting opinions and statements. And for a patient like myself, it's confusing. It's scary. Uh, but I'm gonna keep asking them stupid questions, and I'm gonna keep asking um, Google stupid questions because you do want to investigate, do the research, and. Make a decision for yourself. Um, and sometimes it's gonna, it's gonna, you're gonna have to take a risk, maybe. Um, or sometimes not. And on that same note, you know, you, you're not happy with the doctor, you can see another doctor. You're not happy with your massage therapist, then you can go see a physical therapist or a physiotherapist. You're not happy with your physiotherapist, there are, Plenty, plenty of plenty of different types of modalities and therapists out there that are performing things that they believe in, that they have helped people um, recover and deal with pain better uh, through their own methods. So explore, learn. Just like um, maybe there is no one diet that fits all; that everyone has to test different diets for themselves before they can find the one that meets their body's needs in the best way possible. So I think it might, maybe it might be the same for therapy. You know, maybe for one person, cupping therapy can do wonders, but for someone else, a different form of therapy can fix their issue and maybe cupping wouldn't have not done that for another person. So test, learn, investigate and make the right Uh, decisions for you um i thank you very very much for listening to me today um next episode we will be back with a guest don't worry um and we'll keep releasing weekly episodes so please make sure you uh, keep an eye out for that And write to us. Uh, We'll love to hear your feedback. We'll love to hear what you have to say, what topics you want to learn about. Um, But until then, I'll keep bringing you topics that I want to learn about. Thank you very much.